Hi, is uh, is this thing on? Hello? Okay. Well, my name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and I am the host of As I Was Saying Podcast. Consider me your best friend that's not just going to let you sit there and think problematic thoughts. So sit back, relax, make sure you're following us on Instagram, As I Was Saying Podcast. Follow me, she will speak, and let's get it popping on this week's episode. Hello everyone and thank you so much for joining me on As I Was Saying Podcast. So I'm your host, Sharon Tyler Jacobs. And to my new listeners, thank you so much for stopping by. I hope that this episode inspires you and keeps you coming back for more. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is that you're listening on. And to my more seasoned listeners, well, you already know what it is. Thank you for coming back another week. So This week I had an interview and I'm so happy to be able to sit down with amazing people, hear different perspectives, have some meaningful conversations and I am so amazed at the people I get to speak with and honestly the conversations that I have planned for y'all is going to be very interesting. I'm sure that if you follow as I was saying podcast on Instagram, so that is as I was saying podcast on Instagram, or my own personal page, She Will Speak. You've been seeing us post a lot about different people that we're talking to. In the future, we're actually going to have an episode with me and two guests on purity culture, right? So I know that y'all been seeing me talk about that a lot. So that's going to be a really, really really interesting episode really in-depth and really needed but this week we actually get to speak with one of my good friends so when I decided to start this podcast I actually wanted to have him on and then you know everything with 2020 everything with my personal life just was kind of like nah we ain't gonna be interviewing nothing right But I'm really thankful that when I reached back out, he was willing and ready to come in and speak with y'all. And I'm just really excited for the the message that he has for y'all, okay? So, inspired by a plethora of poets from the Middle East and beyond, Jonathan J. Azar assumes a philosophical posture as he approaches themes such as faith, struggle, and purpose through poetry. He first published his debut poetry collection, 100 Days on Earth, in July of 2019, and launched it at the New York City Poetry Festival. Since then, he has been sharing his work via interviews, signings, and charity events, and we can also add on there podcast interviews, right, to be more more specific. So I had the pleasure of meeting Jonathan at the New York Poetry Festival, which I actually don't have to get into too much because we're going to talk about that on the episode. But he was just uh, definitely a light, definitely someone who was not afraid to give his thoughts and opinions and someone who I definitely wanted to have deeper conversations with. And I'm so happy that he agreed to be on, as I was saying, podcast. So I'm going to be quiet because you know I could talk forever, right? And we're going to get into this week's episode with Jonathan J. Azar. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another week of As I Was Saying Podcast. So I'm really excited this week, but then again, I kind of say that every week, so hopefully it still has that flavor that it does. But I'm actually excited because you are all going to hear from one of my personal, really great friends amazing poet Jonathan Azar how are you hey thank you so much for having me Cheyenne what a glowing introduction my goodness (laughs) you are a glowing person and I'm um and y'all the funny thing about this interview is when I started this podcast he will tell you he was like one of the first people I was like hey I want to have you on um but the way 2020 was set up with everything from COVID to Black Lives Matter to just 
all these different events happening, you know, I know I wasn't in a place to really interview people, but I'm really happy to see where we both are in life right now. And as I'm sure, Jonathan, you're going to agree with me, you know, universe makes no mistakes. For sure. For sure. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Yeah. So if you can tell us, you know, who you are, what you do, and then we're going to get into some of the questions I have for you. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm, my name is Jonathan. I'm the author of 100 Days on Earth. It's my debut poetry collection. I debuted it in 2019 at the New York City Poetry Festival. And uh, for its first two weeks on its debut on Amazon, it's a self-published collection. It was a top 20 bestseller in Middle Eastern poetry, which was super crazy to see. Right under the profit, which was super cool to see. Since then, I've been promoting my book while working on my next project, 16 Sleepless Nights. And I've been blessed to share my work with so many people. But I think the most exciting thing thus far, uh, a little bit over a year into this, uh, this uh, writing career, is that I get to sit with you. Oh, see, now y'all know why I love him, right? And I promise <laughs> you, he's amazing in person. I, I think when we were going to the Poetry Fest, I stumbled upon your account on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, let me, you know, meet some, some of the authors. And then I, I picked up his book and I actually pulled up to um, your book release. Yeah, you drove all the way up from Downshore. We did a we did a book release at Glazed Donuts in West Caldwell. Um, there's an there's a giant orange on my book cover. Yeah. So I, I went to them and I, I I worked with them and they actually made a custom donut for me. And you came up and uh, I think we got it on film of us uh, eating the donuts. Yes, I'm gonna drop that video for y'all. Just just wait on it, y'all. We're gonna you're gonna see that video. So I first of all I love the book. I I have the bag. Yes, y'all. I'm a supporter. So we got tote bags. <laughs> I do have the bag. So if you could just tell us, you know, what inspired you to number one, publish this work, but also what influenced your, your poetry? Because when you go on to, you know, your author account on Amazon, you talk a lot about, you know, your, how culture really, you know, helped and aided in this book. And I know you are um, of the Middle Eastern, you know, just diaspora. So I wanted to know, how you know you were able to kind of mold all of that together and really what you learn even about maybe yourself and your culture from taking this this route of poetry for sure so culture is one of those things at least for me it, because i'm so entrenched in it i'm talking you know every sunday at church and uh you know sunday dinner with the family you know always at the at the big family functions and so forth culture is just a thing that's there so whatever i write it's going to be laced with that culture uh, you definitely see that come through so it's never been a thing where uh, i i want to write about my identity no everything i put on my page is my identity mm. to give an idea of my background i'm syrian orthodox christian palestinian so basically what that is is my parents were born in palestine my father in jerusalem my mother in bethlehem and uh, we're Syrian Orthodox. So what differentiates us from Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox is we, uh, our liturgies, our masses are in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. So it's super ancient. Uh, it's a super traditional uh, church, but I'm growing up here in, in America. So as you might imagine, there are certainly some, some tensions and certainly some understandings that, you know, that get teased out through the writing. Um, in terms of 100 days, 100 days was not even on my radar uh, when I started college. When I started college, I was working on a ridiculous Western fantasy novel, something like, yeah, absurd, like Palestinian cowboy. Really? It, it, was, it, was, it was straight stupid, but I got 350 <laughs> pages in, and after a couple years of work, I hit an incredible writer's block. A writer's block, like, to the point where I'd be shaking at night. I couldn't write another word. 
I don't know what happened. I still couldn't tell you even after all these years. But what I did to break out of that was I started writing shorter pieces, shorter pieces about war, shorter pieces about peace, shorter pieces about struggle. And those shorter pieces began to accumulate and accumulate. And uh, after almost two years, 100 Days was born. It came from that. So I had never even written poetry prior to that bout of writer's block. To put a finer point on your question about the influence of culture, uh, I will say that the only poetry that I had been exposed to, aside from, you know, the required, you know, literature in English class, were the Middle Eastern greats, Rumi, Mahmoud Darwish, Nizar Kabani, um, Khalil Gibran, of course, with the Prophet. Those are guys who I had always read, even in my youth. So I feel it was only a matter of time to begin to add to that tapestry the best I can. I love it. And, and I think that's truly the example of where, you know, representation matters because you being able to be exposed to that, you know, allowed someone like myself who's never, you know, read anything of like, again, like a Middle Eastern um, culturally pulled poetry or writing like that to be able to be like, oh, like this is, this is interesting. Like this is definitely giving me insight to a culture where I might have not otherwise looked at, but for the fact that I have a friend and I, you know, stumbled upon it. And I really wanted to even touch on what you said about everything about me is culture. And I know when we, you know, talked when we were in person, when I was back in New Jersey, it was actually very interesting, y'all, that we just in the midst of conversation found out, you know, that we both believed in the sense of a God and we both go to church. And I think it was also very interesting to me because I don't really see a lot of people, personally myself, who are like Christian or who believe in God. I know I don't. And I think in this mm-hmm. modern day 2020, the idea that you almost have to choose your identities. Do you like, do you feel that way in a sense that sometimes it's like, well, how do you think this, but believe this and also do this? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you can be, you can be raised in a culture. You can be raised with parents who are super conservative. You can be raised with parents who are, you know, hippy dippy. You can be raised in all these different ways, you know, black, Latino, uh, Middle Eastern, whatever it is. But unless you lean into it, I don't, I don't know how much weight that really does have on your life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kind of thing where, uh, you have to cultivate it. So you can be raised Christian, but in my view, it doesn't really do much for you. At least it didn't do much for me until I started to actually read, open the Bible and read, you know, actually pray, not because, you know, my mom reminded me to pray, but because I'm having a tough time and I'm going to sit and I'm going to meditate on it. So absolutely, there's there's an element of choice and of, of cultivation for sure. I love that. I feel like you actually just unknowingly blessed me because I think, you know, I'm 25, y'all, and I can honestly say, Jonathan, like I am now, because I grew up in actually predominantly white community. You know, I, I'm from a very white suburban area in New Jersey. And I feel like, although, you know, it's, I'm black, like you can, you can see a picture of me and be like, she is black. Sure. However, like you said, I don't think I ever really had the opportunity to lean into it when I was younger because it was never at the forefront of my identity. It's like, I grew up in a black household. Everybody in my house was black. It was like, okay, cool. Sure, but the exactly. the culture around me wasn't anything that made me, you know, feel like had to really do much with it until I really left for school and I saw people that looked like me. I saw programs that were for me. I saw, like you said, literature that reflected my upbringing or the people that looked like me. So I really, I actually wanted to sit with that for a minute because I think some people might miss what you're saying, but a lot of times we have these identities, but we don't fully lean into them, into them to actually know how beautiful they are. Exactly, exactly. 
and that's the thing. There, there's there's beauty to to, to all of our uh, all of our aspects, whether it be the religion, the culture, uh, the race, whatever it may be. And then there's that ugliness. You know what I mean? There's there's so much history and past and 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 so much uh, you know self criticism that that could happen, self evaluation, and that's how you grow. You know, like Middle Eastern culture. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily have the greatest track record in certain things. In women's rights you know what i mean like the middle east is far behind where we are in the united states for example so but rather than condemning that you can kind of take that and interact with that and see how that comes out you know in in yourself and in your upbringing so culture is one of those things it's a boundless well in my view uh, that's why in terms of my writing it's always going to come through because as long as i'm alive that's that's what it is you know what i'm saying Hmm. I, I love, oh my gosh. See, I love this conversation. <laughs> and to like have this one last point and then to, to go on to the next question I have for you. That's sure. one thing my mom would actually say a lot of times when, when we would do with like older people, especially like older black people in church, when they would sometimes say the things they'd say, I'd be like, mom, what are they like? I'd be like, they wild and what they talk about. She'd be like, <laughs> she's like, they're a person of their time. And you know, when you're younger and, and you know, even now, sometimes to your point, I'm like, why don't they change? We're not in those times. But recognizing, you know, we can pull, like you said, someone from a completely identity separate from me, and they probably would have a problem with at least one thing that I believe in because I'm a person of my time and I'm a person of my identity. If that's the case, 100%. we'd all agree with everybody. Exactly. I do want to put, uh, I do want to make a distinction though. Although, although our morals and values are relative, uh, you know, based on where we grow and what our, where we grow up and what our upbringing is, I do strongly feel, and I, maybe this is just the, the Christian sensibility inside of me, I do feel that there is an absolute truth. There is a right way, and we're all just trying to get to it. Uh, and, and I do want to make that distinction. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're like a modern-day philosopher, which leads me, okay, to... You know, Socrates was supposedly really ugly, so in that case, absolutely. You're not... Oh, my... First of all, <laughs> y'all, his eyes are beautiful. They're like wells. Just like, oh my God, these are like hypnotic. Cheyenne, please. Okay. <laughs> it's it's whatever. It's okay. So, um, I actually pulled some lines that I actually want to discuss since since we're talking to the whole modern day philosopher. And the first one, and these are ones that hit me. And even when I was, you know, when I knew I wanted to interview you, looking at your reviews on your book, and if you actually do have his book, I encourage you to leave a review on Amazon. There's nothing better for an author than you actually reviewing your book and leaving your, your honest feedback. We love how something impacted your life is um, what fool would look down at his impelled belly and question whether he had been stabbed only a friend. Yeah. Uh, that's from uh, the piece uh, at two. That's actually one that, that I've gotten a lot of feedback about. So it's actually incredible because a hundred days is a collection of 64 pieces, most of which are pretty mm -hmm. brief. It's definitely uh, more of like a sampler than, than an entree. Uh, and in that sense, it's interesting to see what pieces people respond to. And I would say there are a couple dozen that, that get brought up to me frequently. And that exact line is actually one that gets brought up frequently. I think it's because it's so, um, everybody can relate to it. Everyone can relate to getting stabbed by a friend. And there's something so vis visceral of that image of of someone leaning in with a knife into the belly. You can't see me, I'm standing right now, I'm doing it. You know, somebody <laughs> leaning in with, with that sword or with that knife into the belly and that kind of shocked look on the recipient's face. And I feel we've all been there, like you too, like 
all those other guys maybe but you too my greatest friend you you, you betray me like this mm-hmm. and uh i think that's that's why that line resonates it it really does and it, i feel like i'm sure you've seen the thing on instagram where people are going like the it's this part for me i feel like it's like the question i feel like it's like and you would question it it's the question part of it for me yes. where it's like you know you were stabbed and you still question it. And then it's like, you're like, yeah, I do. Why? And it's like only a friend. It's like, damn, it just hits you like, huh. Like I had to take a seat, sit back. I'm like, you know, I definitely, we've all done that. You've articulated that super beautifully. And yeah, unfortunately it is something that uh, we, I, I feel we've all experienced. And, and it could be the case that some of us have, have been that friend who, who's sunk in the knife. You know, it mm-hmm. certainly could be the case. It, you know, and, and this goes into, and I always quote my girl, Ashton Ferguson, who actually you met. Absolutely. What a beautiful soul. Absolutely. Is the aspect of duality. Because exactly to your point, first of all, in this quote, you're definitely, you know, this, this snippet, you're seeing, number one, the duality of being stabbed, but still that love. Because it takes love and like that foolish kind of me trying to understand what happened to even question it, right? And also to your point of being that friend, um, I actually explained this to somebody the other day, like, yo, we are all the villain in somebody's story. You know, regardless of how I feel I am as a person, you can, I don't know who the person is, but you could probably find someone right now who, when they tell you about me, it is not going to be, you know, something nice. And I really feel like these, you know, a lot of your work too really does show that. And so the the the, uh, the other line that I have that I wanted to bring up because I was like, ooh, how are we to understand ourselves if we do not drink with our enemies? That is uh, perhaps the most timely line in a hundred days, just given everything going on right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, more than ever, people are just embroiled in all their politics and in all their ideology. And we all hate it, but it is what it is. Notice I said politics and ideology. I didn't say debate because I don't really see a lot of communication uh, between people from different points of view. What I'm seeing instead, especially on social media, is a lot of declaiming, a lot of statements like, like your your Instagram story is Martin is the church, and then you're pinning Martin Luther's 95 theses on the wall, right? Like, this is what it is. So, that's one thing that I've always, that's never been my style. It's my firm belief that if we're going to reach the truth in any issue, we need to drink with the people we disagree with, and I I don't mean speak, I don't mean break bread with I specifically said drink because we need to have our guards down Cheyenne let me ask you how how stifling is it when you're in conversation and you have to bite your tongue because you can see all the landmines put forth by the person in front of you see this is why I told you you're a modern day philosopher like you you philosophizing me right now I don't think that's a word but it's it's hard it's difficult isn't it it's very difficult it's really difficult to talk about big issues like that where both parties are really afraid of poking the other. So as long as there's a a basic respect, right? I have respect for you. You have respect for me. I feel like that's all we need to have dialogue. Now, if I, if I, you know, if I throw out a phrase that's maybe colloquial, you know, uh, colloquial aided, I don't know the word, you know, a, a dated term, maybe that's not appropriate. Or if I, you know, if I step on your toes by accident, I feel like our, our mutual respect, should be enough for us to say hey just so you know you know people of this kind don't like this kind of word you know and then we can move on from that i feel like that's something that's unfortunately been lost to so many especially people our age i, I just turned 22 yesterday so just so you know so we're oh happy oh 
<laughs> Thank you so much. But the, the point is, I don't mean to go on about it too long, but the point is uh, that kind of dialogue is imperative. So, uh, and it's something that I do live. I have a lot of friends who, uh, who believe the same as I do, who think very similarly to, to I. And then I have friends who, who are complete opposites in terms of ideology or values and whatever. Uh, and even so, we're able to, to maintain that kind of friendship because we have that respect. And I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, to, to um, not sit like for a long time on this, but I, I feel what you're saying because I, which I think surprised a lot of people because I think a lot of times to your point, when people hear me or peer or see my work, it, it very much is a lot of statements. But a lot of times that's because, hey, if you're just coming to my page on social media or you're reading an article or you're hearing a podcast, especially if I'm not communicating with anyone, it's just my ideas, it, it's going to sound like a statement. But a lot of people don't know is, like you said, I am someone who's very open to conversation. Um, I tell people I actually even did a panel discussion with some young activists and they asked me like, you know, how do you have these conversations? And I said, well, it's practice. You know, you have to, which is true because you have to identify, does somebody really want to talk or to your point, do they want to argue? Because I do think sometimes you run, you know, you run into people who it's like, you know, you're like the, the sky is this color and they're like, no, it's not. And you just have to be able to um, manage that. That's one thing. I, even when I was in school, I actually was in my uh, race, gender, and sexuality class. You know, I think just about every school you have to take, like we call the UCC courses. Um, and it was just general ed. And I sat next to these two uh, Caucasian males. And I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they were like criminal justice, wanted to be cops. And throughout the semester, we had good conversation, you know, nothing bad. And when it came up to police brutality, it was quiet, right? And I'm like, why are you quiet? Because I could hear the whispers and like, well, I don't believe it. I said, but this is the problem we will never come to any sort of, and like you said, it doesn't have to be an agreement. I'm not saying when we walk out this door, we will agree with each other. Oh, absolutely not. I, mm -mm, I don't believe, I don't believe it has to be agreement, but how can we get to a place of understanding, which comes with this exactly. empathy, if you're quiet because you don't want to feel like the bad guy. And if I'm quiet, because like you said, I don't want to be angry. And I do think, you know, in this world, especially with social media, where it's just, you know, your point, my point, your point, my point, we have this tendency to be like, well, they're not agreeing with me, so I'm done. And it's like, is your goal an agreement or is your goal understanding? Oh my goodness. That is, that is so beautiful. That's, you put that so poignantly. I mean, Cheyenne, evidently you, you have this platform where you're, you're in conversation with people in the community. That's, you know, that's why I'm, I'm down to come and talk with you because you're, you're active in conversation and you're also active in the community. You're, an activist you know what I mean <laughs> you're out there doing things not to say that everybody needs to be out there doing things but this is why we're, we're able to have this kind of conversation yes yes and like you said it's it's important because I do believe that when you have these conversations you learn to your point I have friends of all different backgrounds and I would not be you know the shine Tyler Jacobs I was today if I didn't because I would still be the person that was 15 and thought what they thought. And now I see those Facebook posts jump back and I laugh at myself. I actually send them to my friends like, hey, I used to believe this. And they're like, ew. And I'm like, right. So um, <laughs> I, I love that you can, uh, you can, you can look back uh, at yourself and, and acknowledge that growth. That's really important. Yeah. And, and you know why? Because this is where, and, and like you said, um, this is why I love the podcast and I love podcasting because I like to see where conversations go. This is why, you know, I am a big person of allowing people to grow. And I was actually just talking um, with one of my mentors the other day 
about giving people the grace to be wrong and to change and to come back and say, I was wrong for that. Because again, I look at some of the things, again, things I posted, I posted it on social media, on my Facebook page. This is what I believe to be true. And if people honestly were to see what I believe, they would, they would probably think it was a totally different person. But because as they say, you know, I knew what I knew at a time when I didn't have the resources I have today. I'm a different person. I have different resources. I have different levels of education, different experiences. And so I'm allowed to change my opinion. And I think sometimes because to your point, we live in this very black and white society. It's like, well, you were, you know, your opinions were on the white side yesterday. So that's it. That's, that's where you're going to stay the rest of your life. And it's like, no, it's not. You, you absolutely, you picked up on uh, the exact phraseology I would use to describe this when you say grace. It is a graceless society. And the fact that you, 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 you recognize that there's a lacking in that, that's, that's a definitely a, a common, a common belief between you and I. That's huge. Yes, that see that and to everyone if you're listening, this is why we we you know, when we have these conversations, they're never short, like they're very in-depth, which you know actually leads me to my next question that I have for you because you know, in your book, and as I'm sure we can hear speaking with you, you have a lot of the ideologies of this faith and struggle. And I think a lot of people think they're separate. Like it's like, you know, I have to get past this point in my life to have faith that something good will happen. But when we see your work, we see that they're very much a shared experience. Like they are on the same line. And so um, they coexist. So what are your thoughts when it comes to both struggle and faith and them coexisting within our own identities? I really appreciate that you, that you did pick up on that in the book. It's always been my belief. Actually, that's not fair. We're always growing and learning, right? I would say, uh, at least since mm -hmm. the time that I began writing this book, it's been my belief that faith and struggle are two branches of the same tree, right? The idea of mm -hmm. faith as this kind of floating belief that everything's going to be okay is not the kind of faith that I've ever known, nor the kind of faith that I think any true Christian has ever known. Jesus had faith and he was crucified, right? So that's what's promised to Christians. A hard time with a good payoff. <laughs> I would say there are a handful of poems in 100 Days that showcase that kind of dynamic between faith and struggle. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Dead Man. It's written like a letter. It's one that I wrote as a reflection on the idea of turning the other cheek, right? Because we're taught as Christians to turn the other cheek, right? If someone strikes you, you know, you turn the other cheek. So I, I'm, I'm able to comprehend the idea of not, not like reacting or retaliating when struck, but I've always had trouble understanding and wrapping my head around the idea of like turning the other cheek to your enemy to accept another blow. So that poem is a twisted way of parsing that. I, I don't, I still don't get it, you know? Maybe I got hit up my pastor, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a constant uh, dialogue between the faith and, uh, and struggle. Uh, it's not uh, one than the other. It's, it's going to be a constant blend. At least that's my, uh, my view. And, and I think actually from your first statement, wow, because I actually wrote that down, you know, Jesus had faith and he was still crucified which in that one example, like it really did hit me because even faith is painful. You know, yeah. having faith, oh, yeah. having faith in your, in your goal, like whether your goal is, you know, you're supposed to be the activist or the lawyer or the artist or a parent or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're like, you know, I want this relationship, God, like I'm working to that. The idea that you will still have faith, but it's painful. I mean, even, you know, like I tell people, even the Bible says, you know, that he never, he says the weapons won't form. Mm. They still will be there. 
they are still there. I really like that. Faith is painful. It's very direct. I, I have a, you know, sometimes when, when I get into it, I'm sometimes circumventing the point and you, you hit it right there. Faith is painful. Uh, faith, faith is painful, painful because it's, it's a verb. Faith is a thing that you constantly exercise. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fascinating. And it's vulnerability, right? Um, I know I was talking to someone about faith and I remember they were like, well, no, faith is not, faith is literally not a backup plan. Like faith is like, this is plan A and you don't have plan B, C, D. And like when, when she said this to me, I sat there, I'm like, oh, so, you know, when people say faith is taking the step without seeing the staircase, she was like, yeah, I was like, that's literally what it means. Like you just are, you might free fall. She's like, that's exactly what it means. I said, oh. That's terrifying. Now, exact. Now I understand why it is hard. For a lot of people to have faith because you're you're being vulnerable and you're being vulnerable to the fact that I know at the end of this, you know, like Jesus had to know at the end of this, I am saving, you know, I'm saving these people, but this road is going to be painful as well. And, and again, you have no signs like Jesus had no signs that at the end of that road that it was going to happen. It was literally just his faith. And like they say, he could have been like, you know, God, I can't do this, but he had faith that it was his, the promise was going to come to him. So I'm really happy that you actually, I'm happy that you said that, you know, there's uh, faith and struggle are branches of the same tree. And, you know, Jesus had faith and he still was crucified because I think a lot of times people think, well, I have faith. Why does this still hurt? Right. Right. No, that's absolutely a, a, a common conception. I will say what's cool about uh, faith is something that I'm learning. And, and mind you, this is very much a struggle. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, where I'd like to be spiritually, but at least in my in my limping along of, with my beliefs, the fruit of faith does come through. Uh, it absolutely does come through. Uh, I, I sometimes like to share the story of my cover artist, uh, John Mungiello. Uh, he's on he's on Instagram, uh, Jay Mungiello at Jay Mungiello. Uh, he did my cover art, and he's also a poet himself who's having his pieces published, and he already has a his debut uh, poetry book out. But I mention him because. Uh, what I did was I sent him a sample of not even a half dozen poems and I sent him my concept for the cover with, you know, with the orange and the cross, uh, or rather, um, that's not correct. I, I gave him the concept of my color scheme and the orange. I said, I want a, an orange slice and I want black and I want navy. Otherwise you do your thing. And even just through those six poems that I sent him with me, not even discussing the religious aspect of the book without those poems, even being profoundly religious or, or faith-based, he came to me with a cover with a cross on it. And when I saw that, I could not believe it. So that's just a, a more anecdotal, uh, artistic way of expressing the fact that faith does come through. Uh, it's not something that needs to be, uh, you know, it, it's something that waters itself, I should say. Mm, and, and, you know, that's, I'm happy that you had that experience because I am a big believer that that energy shines off of you. You know, that's, it's the same reason why people can just, feel certain things about you because it's like, it just shows. Cause I've had similar experiences where people just, they just knew, you know, they're like, Oh, you're, you have faith. You're a believer. You believe in this. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, how do you know? And they're like, I could just feel That's it. Huge. What a compliment. And I'm, I'm just like, Oh, well, you know, and, and like you said, it's, it's just a shared feeling. And so, you know, with talking about your faith and I'm, I'm actually very, you know, I think it's very um, great that you are able to be transparent about not being where you're at with your faith, because I think a lot of times, we either are, you know, oh, I'm perfect at this. I am, you know, I'm at the place I need to be in where, like you said, there's always room for growth. Or sometimes we are just so feeling detrimental about ourselves. It's like, I'm not here, but it's like, 
I don't know what to do. So for yourself, you know, what are those practices and or that mindset that helps you to maintain and grow your faith? Yeah, for me, thankfully, I'm, I'm blessed that right now, the thesis of there is a God and I believe in him is, is there. That's rock solid right now. That's, there's no question. I, you know, having that kind of constant awareness of God for anybody, I feel is a, is a great starting point. You know, once you, once you pass that initial stage of, well, is there, or is there not? Well, there is, get on board and then you can figure out the rest yourself, you know? So I, I gravitate towards conversation with my friends, whether they be Catholic, Protestant, Protestant or, uh, or uh, Orthodox specifically. Um, I'm blessed in that I get to have these kind of enlightening conversations with them about faith. And then the second thing for me is uh, reading the Bible. That's my thing. Uh, I'm definitely lacking in terms of nowadays going to church, uh, like regularly. Uh, that's that's definitely where I'm lacking. Um, and then prayer as well is, is hit or miss. So that's where I'm at personally. But it, for anybody who's looking to kind of, uh, you know, embellish where they're at and, and kind of take, you know, take the relationship uh, with God or with their faith to another level, I, I would say um, the mind is, is the first place, you know, have it, uh, you know, get that understanding, that basic understanding of, of what, what the rules are essentially, right? Like, what is the state of the world? Uh, what is your place in it? And then at that point, you can expound and develop your, your knowledge and your love. Hmm. I like that because I think a lot of things I know I experience when it comes to having faith is what you said, knowing what your place is like in this world is, is almost feeling like you're lost, you know? And I think once you feel like you're lost and you feel like you're, you're not even just alone, but lonely, I think that's what knocks a lot of people off their path. Oh, a hundred percent when you feel alone. But the thing is, if you can at least get that, get that, that, that basic, just that seed of an understanding, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a man or I'm, I'm a daughter under God, right? Having the understanding. Well, now, now you're not alone. You know what I mean? You have at least one connection, right? So that for me is what's, what's helped me, but I know some people have had far more profound uh, experiences or, 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 um, you know, different ways of, of coming to faith. And that's, that's more than okay. This is just my deal. Hmm. I love it. I mean, and like you, like I said, your, which is why I asked because your, your way, you know, might help someone else. Because again, I think this is where being transparent and sharing and sometimes asking the questions that we don't even think to ask, you know, really helps people. And like you said, I think being in a world right now, we're seeing so many concerns come up, so many questions that are lingering. I think it's really important for people, you know, to start whatever journey that you know, they want to start, you know, whatever. And like you said, whatever that looks like, which is why I'm happy you said, you know, well, this is what I do because, you know, for someone else, it might be completely different. Oh, hundred percent. I, I have friends who are, who are so deeply entrenched in their, in their church communities. And, and that's for them, that's the rock. If they didn't have their church community, they would be, they would be adrift, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's never been my experience. Uh, it's actually, it's actually, uh, I'm actually really glad that you brought this up because I'm working on a piece uh, called, well, it's in the works, but it seems that I'm, I'm leaning towards calling it Admit One to the Chocolate Factory. So it's the idea of you have a brawl between a bunch of characters, each of whom believes that he or she knows how to get into heaven. So one guy says his prayer, one guy says his church, one guy says his works, and so forth. And uh, I plan to conclude it by just saying, you donkeys, just have faith and the rest will come, right? Faith has got to be the first. Mm -hmm. what's the point of going to church if you don't believe anything that anybody is saying, you know what I mean? So you have to ha kind of take that leap of faith. Ooh. Modern day y'all. He's modern. I'm <laughs> telling you. So, well, 
I, so I, I, the last question that I have for you, because I'm real, like I said, I enjoyed your first book and I know that you are putting together your second collection. So can you tell us a little bit more about your forthcoming poetry book? You know, what should we expect? You know, what have you learned through this process, especially since, you know, going through this process in 2020 is already a process within itself. Yeah. Oh my goodness. For sure. It's going to be a long chapter. It's going to be a big test for the, for the, for the students. I said, yeah, I said the same joke. I'm like, you know what? God bless the people in school. I got a test on 2020 because I can't keep up and I'm in it modern day. Yeah. But you know what though? Could you imagine the teacher whipping out, you know, some TikToks from the day as like archival footage? Like, Hey, take a look at this TikTok here. Oh my gosh. It, it, it's going to happen though. Like my sister's going to go to college and they're like, they TikToked us, you know, when so-and-so happened and it's going to be like, this is what we've come to. Yep, yeah, for real. I believe it. Oh my goodness. It's, it's crazy times. My, my escape is the writing, thankfully. I just, I look down, I look at my computer screen, the blinking cursor and all is okay. But uh, <laughs> the next book coming up for me is called 16 Sleepless Nights. And it's uh, a collection of poetry and a bit of prose that explores the things that keep us up at night. I'm still tinkering with this format. Uh, I just got the beta reader feedback, so I can't say for certain how the book's gonna be divided, but I can tell you that it's certainly gonna include at least two parts. The first is gonna be called Sleepwalk, and it's gonna highlight poems inspired by the dark stuff that keeps us up. And the second is gonna be called Daydream, which is gonna highlight poems inspired by nostalgia and that kind of longing for the better days from our past or the days that we felt were better, right? Because of course, nostalgia just paints everything with a rosy color. I would say where 100 days was an appetizer, 60 sleepless nights is definitely shaping up to be an entree. And I know I used that analogy before, but it's turning out so meaty. I don't even have, I've got maybe one piece that's really short, but otherwise um, I'm really excited to share it. Uh, first of all, just, just the way you, you said it's going to be divided and just, I guess you can say what the book is going to encompass already sounds to me like it's it's going to definitely be an entree of just really deep thoughts you know really just like I, I, like i said i'm already just like dang like we're leveling up from this like a level up from the first one is we're just gonna all be in our chairs like call your friends and really sit with these thoughts and i love how much you know time and and how you really you know put in that work and as a fellow poet um that also has a collection i know that it's not easy you know formatting and placing like i tell people tell me all the time like what's the hardest part i'm like honestly i think once you get to the stage or when you want to put a book together it's deciding how to lay it out exactly all this especially because we're dealing with poetry you know you're, mm -hmm. you're it's, it's very compartmentalized so it's how you're going to divide you know what you have 100 percent I, I, yeah, it's 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 like I want the message to be this. So how do I lay this out to where you're gonna feel this? And I'm really excited um, to get this copy. I, I know plenty of people who are going to be as well. So I'm I'm unfortunate that we have to wrap this up. But before you go, can you leave us with where we can find you, your socials, Amazon, both the names of your book again, um, both current and forthcoming, and you know, just how you're feeling and you know any other last words you'd like to leave with our audience yeah listen i mean cheyenne i really appreciate you having me um one joy of poetry that i didn't know i, I would i would derive from from the form is something that i discovered at that uh, new york city poetry festival and that's the community being able to have dialogue about you know each other's works like having picked up a, a handful of books from both you and from from other poets uh, across these festivals and signings and things you realize how much talent there is in the community. 
uh, I do want to commend you for your gender violence uh, anthology. Uh, speaking of the way things are laid out, the way you laid that out was uh, an absolute roller coaster. That was a profound read for me and something that I recommend to anybody who's even remotely interested uh, in, in that kind of topic. Um, so I, I, I just want to give, give uh, the good vibes back to you. Um, in terms of where you can find me, I'm available on uh, Instagram at jazarauthor. That's J-A-Z-A-R author. My website is in the works. It's going to be beautiful. But until then, you can reach me in my email at jonathanjazar at gmail.com. The way to spell my name is on the book. And 100 Days on Earth is currently available on Amazon. Um, 16 Sleepless Nights. Uh, look forward to it soon. Awesome. And and I don't know. And again, this is this is anyone who knows me knows I, I, I don't question when God uh, shifts and or the universe shifts in my life. I get the universe from when I was a counselor. Like that's the terminology I, I picked up because we we're supposed to use that more. But I, I just have the sense to say this, like that. I don't know if you're in a shift of your life. I don't know if things feel difficult right now, but there's a difference between your purpose and your calling, Jonathan. And your purpose is never going to change. But your calling is that uncomfortable feeling where you feel like you have to move and you should lean into that because that's God bringing you to a different level. I, that was wonderful. I, I really appreciate that. That's incredibly, uh, that's really timely. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just, it literally like my chest just like felt very warm. And it, like I, 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 I tell people, you know me, like I don't not say those things. Like if they come, I'm just going to say it. So I don't know what that means to you but just know just to lean in to that i appreciate the heck out of that thank you wow so i don't know about y'all but that definitely was a very thought-provoking conversation the idea that faith and struggle are branches of the same tree and that having faith in itself is a painful act right coming up with the visual because I'm a very visual person of Jesus himself having faith you know that God's plan was indeed real it was indeed going to go into effect and he believed the promise right but that didn't stop the pain that did not stop the pain that he felt did not stop the pain that was put upon his body his mind everything even in the Bible details that he cried out at certain points, like, you know, God, like, why? Like, what is happening, right? So the idea that when we talk about this thing called faith, we do have to be mindful that even in the painful moments, that is where faith really prevails. Because it is hard. It is so, so, so hard to have faith. I'm not sure about anybody else, but exactly what I said in the interview when I really was having a conversation with my therapist and the, you know she was like having faith and being vulnerable is just trusting it is trusting that this outcome is going to be a good outcome and then it clicked in my head like when people say having faith is taking the first step without seeing the staircase like it like it really is huh and she looked at me like yeah it is and I'm like oh snap yeah I don't be doing that like that so that's definitely a lot for me to digest, a lot that I have been sitting on with this conversation. So I would like to say thank you again to Jonathan J. Azar for coming and speaking with us today. Please look at the show notes for links to his social media, links to get 100 Days on Earth. I have the book. Definitely think y'all should have the book as well. 
And please be sure to subscribe to As I Was Saying podcast. That way you're in the know of our new episodes. Please leave a review and a comment over the episodes that you like. Shoot, even if you didn't like them, leave that comment too, you know. Transparency is best. Let us know where I can grow as a person. And if you're interested on being a guest, please feel free to go on to shewillspeak.com. That's my personal website over on the podcast. And then be sure to fill out our guest form, right? And above everything, everything else, I'm just happy that you stopped by to listen. So thank you again for another week. Thank you again for being able... Oh, actually, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we close out, y'all... I got something to tell you. As I was saying, podcast officially have over a thousand downloads, right? Yeah, I I need to sit with more of my moments of accomplishment because I was really about to close out that episode, this episode without telling y'all. Yeah, so we have over a thousand downloads. That's crazy. That's amazing. That's insane. That's beautiful. I'm totally, totally, totally happy. And so what does that mean? What is, what is this a thousand download mean? Um, besides meaning that we are in fact the shit over here, it means that I will be dropping some new art for the podcast that I have designed. When I knew that we were on our way to a thousand, I'm going to be again, looking at the structure, making it better and making it just more accessible and all those different things so thank you all very seriously for a thousand downloads over a thousand downloads in fact so i'm your host shine tyler jacobs she will speak on instagram this is as i was saying podcast officially reaching over a thousand freaking downloads and we'll be back next week with more enjoy see you next thursday 10 a.m.